0: I want you to know this because this bothers a lot of people. Sometimes, you know, you give a, a, a message like this and it's like, ah, oh, that's just not enough. And then you read a lot of books and it's just not enough. And you just study and research and it's like, ah, oh, just it's still not enough. And, and and sometimes when you're just trying to figure out God intellectually, it doesn't always make sense. You need to apply your heart. You need to apply your heart. That's why we call it faith. And Isaiah says this, the prophet Isaiah, God speaks to him and he says, for just as the the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I heard about this police department uh, locally and they were so excited because they got this grant and they got this grant uh, for a new drone system that they were going to use. And so they were, the first time, I, I, thousands of dollars were invested into this drone. And, and sure enough, they're so excited and they've been trained in how to do it. And it lifts off and it's hovering and it's great. And all of a sudden it's leaving and I'm not telling it to leave. Where is it going? Where is it going? Where's the drone going? Where is it going? <laughs> and they, they, there was a disconnect. somehow, the drone got disengaged from the controller and and the drone has still not been found as of yet. (laughs) And eventually, I I assumed it ran out of batteries and and it crashed. And that's what happens to us as we talk about this subject today. We're talking about the Bible. Is the Bible legit? And I think there's a lot of people, their lives are kind of, spinning out of control they're just kind of up there and then just running out of batteries because they're completely disengaged with what God has to say to them and finally they their life is in a crash or in a tailspin and they're wondering how in the world did I wind up in this place so today's top the, the topic today the question is is the is the Bible legit is it legit is, is it reliable and I, I, I found this story here there's a story of this guy and he, he's on an airplane and uh, this, this gentleman is an atheist and he's sitting next to this this little girl and, and and she decided she wanted to bring her her story Bible with her to read on the airplane and the man, he decided he's going to strike up a conversation with this little girl. And, and he said, he asked her about the Bible. He says, so, so you like reading the Bible? And she says, yeah, I, I like reading my Bible. And uh, and, and he asked, he says, let me ask you, how do you know that it is true? And she responded, bright young lady, she said, because it's God's word. But then the gentleman says, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, but take, take stories like Jonah and the whale. Do you really believe that story? You really believe it can happen? She responded, yes, I do. And then he says, well, how can you explain God would, would make a whale swallow a man like that? And she said, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll have to ask Jonah when I get to heaven. <laughs> well, then the, the man thought he'd be bright. He says, well, what if Jonah is not in heaven? Then she responded, well, then you'll have to ask him. all right so why is this so important why is this so important because if if the bible is not god's word as it's proclaimed to be then it's just another religious book right just another religious book but If it truly is God's word, then it is true. And if it is true, then my destiny and your eternal destiny are in line. And that's why I think it's important that we examine the questions, that we we have a a better understanding of what we believe. I, I think it's just so important for us today that we understand what you believe. What is it that you believe? So this morning, I want to talk about five reasons why we can trust the Bible. And again, as I said before, I have done a lot of research on this topic. There's a lot of research out there. And I want to give some credit to some of the people that that I had talked to, or a resource. Josh McDowell, a great uh, apologist who does studies on this. Uh, A a preacher by the name of Craig Grishel, Rick Warren, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just want to give them the credit for a lot of the resources that I'm using this morning. Um, And and again, my encouragement, there's so much that we could cover here today. My encouragement to you today is that you would take these notes that we talk about today and that you would take them home and you would study them yourself. Because there's just no way, we we could spend all year, we could spend the rest of the time just talking about topics like this. So take this and study it yourself, okay? So the first thought, the first reason why we can understand, why we can trust the Bible is number one, profession. What does the Bible say about itself? So the fact is, the Bible was written by somebody. The question is, who who was that somebody? And, And so the question could be, well, we got one of three choices here, whether the Bible was written by good men or it was written by bad men or women who just wanted to just kind of mess with people's minds. Or it really was written by God. First, good men. I, I ask this. And, and I say maybe, I just say it couldn't have been written by just good men because uh, the Old Testament alone claims over 2,600 times to be written by God. And I think it's inconceivable that good men would lie about the same subject 2,600 times. Could it have been written by bad men? And I would say no, because bad men would not write a book that continually lifts men and women to the highest plane of morality and purity when we know we don't see that in God's Word. Have you ever just did a study of God's Word? All of the superheroes that you read about in the Bible, and these a lot of these superheroes had a lot of super problems And made a lot of super mistakes. And so the only only alternative is that the Bible truly was written by God. And since the Bible was written by God, it's reliable and true. And God himself is reliable and true. And we could put our trust in him. Look at this passage here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul is talking to the young man, Timothy. And he says this, all scripture is God breathed. And it is useful t- for teaching. But not only that, it's good for, it's useful for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is, this is a, a, a guide for living. This is, this is equipment here. Spiritual equipping comes through God's word. The word, the, the Greek word is theo, I love how I just butcher the Greek, <laughs> which means to it is divinely breathed or is given inspiration by God. So the Bible, the Bible itself professes that it is the word of God, kind of like the Ohio State Buckeyes. This is the word of God. I had to sneak that in there. All right. Number two. Number two. Production. Production, the five Ps here. Did you know this? This is a fact that history cannot deny, that the Bible, the Bi- how many of you have your Bibles with you this morning? You can hold up your smartphones too. You have your Bible and your smartphone. Can I, can I just put a plug in here for just a quick second? I, I highlighted Pastor Craig Grishel. How many of you have the book or, or, or the app, the version app? Y-O-U, if you write this down, write this down if you don't have it, youversion.com. The UVersion app, I forget, the last time I had read, it had been up to 350 million downloads, and that was a couple years ago, throughout the world. And what it does is it, it has a, all, it's just as many of the translations as it can, their purpose and their vision was to make the word, the Bible, known throughout the earth. And they are going at it. And I highly recommend it. The devotionals in there, the reading guides in there, it is a great, great resource. I'll say it one more t- time. Youversion.com, Y-O-Uversion.com, check it out. But the Bible, the Bible is the all-time best-selling book in all of history, even today, the Bible, the best-selling book, that says something there. That says something. It is 66 different books written over a period of 1,500 years, Thirteen di- written in three, 13 different countries and three different continents, three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It is 40 different human authors inspired by God. And check out, some, check out who some of these authors were. These were kings, these were fishermen, priests, government officials, farmers, shepherds, doctors, politicians, statements, uh, uh, peasants, musicians, poets, and even tax collectors, IRS agents. Yep. And we know, if, if, if you're not familiar with the, the Bible, it is broken into two parts. There is what is known as the Old Testament at the very beginning. And this is, the, this is before Christ. And the New Testament is the life of Christ and afterwards, the afterwards and forward. All throughout the Bible, Jesus is the central figure. This book is about Jesus. It leads up to his life and tell us what is going to happen with him in the future. This story, the the story in this Bible is God himself. Listen, I love this. God himself became became a man in order to give us a clear understanding of who he is. And so I tell people, listen, if you're confused about God, if you're confused, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but if you're confused about who God is and the character of God, then do this. Just look at his son. Just look at Jesus. If you are confused about God, look at his son. Look at his son. We'll talk about this here in the future. But if you want to know who God is, look at his son. And the Bible covers what's so interesting. It covers so many life topics that are even relevant today. Let me give you the list. That, I mean, the list maybe is in your notes, but it talks about marriage. It talks about divorce, remarriage, adultery, sex, greed, guilt, materialism, friendship. I'm just I'm just touching a few of them. It deals with hate, money, criticism, government, joy, discontentment, sacrifice, uh, patience, faithfulness, enjoying life, uh, how to deal with disasters, it deals with injustices, it talks about demons, it talks about angels, it talks about disciplines, it talks about fasting, it talks about honoring one another, it talks about this topic of mercy, caring for the poor, handling wealth and family and etc. The Bible is relevant for today. And whatever you're going through today, I want you to know. The word of God speaks to that issue. And again, the storyline of the Bible as you go through it, it's consistent. It is consistent. It is all about God's plan of redemption for the world to come through Jesus Christ. Redemption. How we can have peace with God. How we can, how it can be well with our soul through Jesus Christ. The Bible consistently tells us about this. Then the evidence, just read through the, through many of the the people who were evident, who saw Jesus and experienced him. You look at their lives. You look at somebody, and I talked about this, this gentleman before, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, Matthew, a tax collector. And Jesus says, come follow me. And there is a life transformation. Back in those days, if you were a tax collector, that's like you being connected with the mafia. It really, I mean, it, seriously, it is, you are, man, that is bad news. You are corrupt. You are warped. You have no conscience whatsoever. And Jesus invites this man to come follow him. And his life is changed. As a matter of fact, he surrenders. He gives up his life as a Christ follower. We look at people like James and Jude, the brothers of Jesus, who, as Jesus was on the earth, they were just like, ah, I'm not buying it. How many of you (laughs) brothers and sisters, like, yeah, he's always shooting off in the mouth, trying to be somebody that he's not. That was kind of their attitude towards Jesus. And then... They saw their brother put up on a cross. That caught their attention. But you know what really caught their attention? The resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus. That changed and transformed their lives. Read about James and Jude. It's in the New Testament. Read about their story. And then we read about this man named Paul, and, and formerly known as Saul. We, we, we read about this murderous man this is religious fundamentalists who hated, hated Christians. All of you people who raised your hand earlier, if you're a Christ follower, you know what? You know what Paul would have done? He would have like, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture. I am gonna hunt these people down. That's what he did. And then he had an encounter with the living Jesus, and it changed him. No, it transformed. His life, and do you know this the the New testament is it 's up to three fourths of the New Testament is written by this man named Paul, so we talk about the evidence of a changed life let 's talk about the third p here preservation. So how accurate are the biblical copies and again, a lot of research that is out there, and I encourage you to do research on this topic a little bit more, but let 's compare the Bible to some other historical writings, and I had to do my research on these. So there is this, there's, and some of you in college or maybe in high school, you did uh, some reading uh, by this man, this uh, uh, man by the name of Homer. He is the most accepted non-biblical historical writing around. It is the, the book, the Iliad, and it is the most famous of all ancient Greece, written in 800 BC. We have over 640 copies of this manuscript, a copy of this book. So again, let's just kind of 600, 600 and uh, 800 BC before Christ. And we have 64 copies of this and nobody doubts its content. It's like, wow, this is, do you think you believe that Homer wrote this book? Absolutely. Well, how do you know? Well, we have the manuscript manuscripts, and they all line up. We, as a matter of fact, we have over 640 manuscripts, and they're they're all in alignment. Oh, okay. There we go. There's this gentleman by the name of Tacitus, and he is widely regarded as the greatest Roman historian by modern scholars today. He is the primary source of all Roman history. So he, he, what we know about Roman history, you go to Tactius. He is the resource. Go to him. And why, why, why do we trust him? Well, we have 20 manuscripts from him, from his writings, way back in the day, and they're all in alignment. Plato's Republic, an, an ancient Greek philosopher, Nobody doubts Plato's resources because this, because he was an ancient Greek philosopher. We have seven of his manuscripts and they're all in alignment. Aristotle, same thing, five of his manuscripts. We do not doubt Aristotle and many of the teachings in schools and colleges today by him. And we trust this resource, five, five of his manuscripts. Caesar's Gallic Wars, famous Roman emperor, 10 of his manuscripts. The New Testament. How can we trust? How do we know that it's so reliable? How can we trust this? If it, and so if we use this, you know how many manuscripts that we have discovered of the New Testament? Anybody want to take a guess? We have discovered over 24,000 manuscripts. All of them in alignment. All of them in alignment. People ask, well, why, why, why were there, by the way, why were there so many manuscripts written in the New Testament? Do you realize what, 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 what Jesus did when he died on the cross? Okay, for us as Christ followers, that's, that's a big deal. But you know what solidified this to you? Do You know what caught people's attention? His resurrection. That changed the earth. That changed that and the earth. That and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it changed the world. Changed the world. And and, and all of a sudden, the Roman Empire is, is being changed and transformed, and they're hungry for this knowledge. And so these writers are getting together, and they're writing these copies with this complete discipline. And, and you can get into to, to studying all this, but they're writing the Word of God because there is such hunger for His Word. Do you realize today that for the New Testament, there are 5,500 existing ancient manuscripts of the New Testament. They have been studied over and over and over and over and over again. And they're still all in alignment. So I, I say to you today, if we cannot trust, listen to me, if The bottom line of what I'd say about this, if we cannot trust the New Testament, how can we trust all of those other ancient writings? How can you you say we trust them, they only have a few manuscripts, and not trust the New Testament? So we, we have the number four, proven historically accurate. Proven historically accurate. Psalms 33, 4 tells us, for the word of God is right and true. Dr. Nelson Gluick, Gluick uh, a, a, a historical archaeologist, says, scores of archaeological findings have been made, which confirm and clear outline, or in exact detail, historical statements in the Bible. And by the same token, proper evaluation of biblical descriptions has often led to amazing discoveries. So there's, there's a historical fact here that has been found. In 1952, the historian by the name of Steve Sanders said that there is a test. There's three tests of historical accuracy to evaluate a document's authenticity. First of all, he says there is an eternal test. The question is, do the writers of the Bible claim their writings are true? They're the ones who, who, the authors of it, did they write it as true? Listen to what the, the apostle Peter says here. In 2 Peter 1:16, he says this we do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We were there. We're, we're not making this up. We were there, we 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 saw the miracles. We saw his death on the cross, and we saw him three days later, and he was alive. And we saw him afterwards. We're not making this up. You see, the New Testament was written between 47 and 95 AD. And so during that time, there would have been multiple, I mean, we're talking multiple of people who said, no, 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 you're lying. Peter, James, you guys are lying. Matthew, Mark, look at John, you guys are making that up. Everybody, yeah, 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 everybody knows you guys are lying. It would have been the greatest conspiracy of its time. We know that that didn't happen. Again, the apostle John tells us this in 1 John 1, 1 and 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. We've proclaimed to you that we have seen and heard. We were there. It happened. And there is no line. There are no, no TV cameras, no TV reporters say, hey, can you tell us why you're lying to everybody? It didn't happen because everybody knew the truth of what happened. So there was the, the, another test was the external test. The question is, what does the outside evidence say about the Bible? What do non-biblical sources say about the Bible? First of all, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the history of Jesus is incredibly and well-established. There is a plethora of biblical writings about Jesus over and over again, there are archaeological discoveries that talk about this man, Jesus, from Nazareth, who was born in Bethlehem, and he lived a life, and he did, he was crucified upon a cross. Dr. Nelson Gluick, again, the probably the greatest modern authority on Israeli archaeology, said this. He says, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Did you catch that? Nothing, nothing that we have found contradicts what has been said and written in this word. We can't find it. It's not, and trust me, you know, the world in which we live in today, there are plenty of people who are trying to do just that. And then there's the bibliography test. That is the question, how well, how well were the original documents translated to today? Every manuscript that has been discovered throughout the centuries align with each other. They are in alignment. Let me continue in. There is the prophets, the, the issue of prophecy. Listen again what 2 Peter says here. It says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Well, what is prophecy? Prophecy is this: God speaks to man. God speaks to man, and then man says, "This is what God said." He man gives a prediction, and then it happens, and then it happens. And so, when we when we look at the Word of God, there are multiple, multiple examples where prophecies were told. Hundreds, hundreds of years before they take place. How could a person, if a person was just writing this on their own, how could they know these things by themselves? In fact, the Old Testament, the beginning part of the book, the Old Testament alone has over 2,000 specific prophecies that have already been fulfilled. 360 prophecies in the Old Testament that revolve around the topic Of Jesus are fulfilled and I want you to I just want you to take this this is just a sampling and just this is in your notes here and I encourage you to take to 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 just look at this yourself and understand that the a lot of these uh, prophecies in the Old Testament were written hundreds of years before Christ and then look at what it says here in the New Testament and see if, if, it, if it doesn't line up. I just, this is a homework assignment. You check this out and tell me what you discover. An interesting find, Psalm, Psalm 22, 16, and 18. It describes, it, 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 write down that passage here. Psalm 22, 16, and 18. This is very fascinating. Write this passage down. Psalm 22, 16 through 18. It talks about, it describes exactly what happened in Matthew 27, 35. You know what it describes? It describes what happened to Jesus on the cross and some of the events that happened while he was on the cross. But here's what's interesting. Psalms 22 was written hundreds of years before Jesus. You know what's really interesting? Crucifixion had not been invented yet. Let me say that one more time. Psalm 22 was written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And it describes Jesus' crucifixion, but crucifixion had not even been invented at that time. The prophet Isaiah wrote 700 years before Christ. In Isaiah 53, write down Isaiah 53. And listen, look at that passage and see if it does not describe Jesus Christ again. 700 years before Christ. Somebody said this, I, 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 and I want to make sure I get this right. In my research, I read this. They said the odds of just eight, just eight. Make sure I had that right. Eight. Eight of these prophecies being fulfilled. And we're, we're talking about hundreds here. But just, to, just if there were just eight of them fulfilled. The chances of that happening would be one to the 17th power. That's over a hundred trillion. Now, some of you, that that really didn't phase you, so let me help you out with that. That is slightly over the national debt. <laughs> All right. Now you are with me on that. <laughs> that caught your attention. Wow, that is big. Okay. Now you have my attention. I, so he, say, he says it like this. Here, here, here's let me, let me just give you an example. here. Just imagine, maybe some of you have heard this before. Just imagine, how many of you have ever been to the state of Texas before? Have anybody had the privilege or the joy of driving across the state of Texas? Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a big state. Just imagine the chances of this happening. For just eight of these prophecies to, to be fulfilled. just imagine the whole state of Texas being filled with quarters two feet deep, okay? And on just one of these quarters, it is marked red and turned upside down and then shuffled it up. You shuffled the deck, okay? The chances of you just walking in or driving or you being helicoptered over the state of Texas and say, okay, right here. You getting out of that helicopter, put your hand into that pile, lucky, 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 and pulling out that red quarter. That are the chances of these prophecies, just eight of these prophecies being fulfilled. Number five, personal testimony. Psalm 119, 105 says this. He says, the word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. All around the world, Michael, I'm sure you and Elizabeth have run into encounters when people got hold of the word of God, it changed them. It just, it, I'm not, I don't want to make this up, but it changed them. All around the world, people are hungry for the word of God. And it's changing them. It's transforming them. The Bible has transforming power. How do I know this? Well, I want to first read Hebrews 4.12. The writer of Hebrews says this, for the word of God is alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This book is spiritual. It convicts. It challenges. It speaks. It heals. The Bible, as the, the writer of Hebrews says, that it is spiritually alive, that is, a power to address the deepest need of your soul. How many times have, have you read this? I don't know, maybe, how many times have you sat down and and are just like, wow, that's exactly what I needed to read today. How did God know? How did he know? Jesus tells us this in John 8. He says, therefore, if you will hold to my teaching, if you believe that this is this is a powerful book, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth Will set you free. Truth will set you free. Transforms. How how do I know this? Okay, let me tell you about this. I grew up maybe in a church like this. And I would have this encounter at youth camp. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I grew up in a church like this, and I would go to youth camp, and man, I would have these great spiritual encounters with God, and God would just speak to my life. How many of you maybe that's happened to you in church? You had this great encounter with God, and you're like, man, I'm on fire. And you come home, and the fire fizzes out. Flame goes out. And you're like, what happened? Man, I was so on fire. The worship and all that was so great. And I'd come home and just fade away. And then I'd go back to youth camp or go to youth convention, and I would get lit up again. I'm on Fire same thing would happen again. And I remember one year, between my junior and senior year, the camp speaker, man, it was great. He spoke to my life. That. that year, I got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man. It was just, I was on fire. And he says, how many of you are tired of living the up and down life? So that's me. He says, if you're interested in how not to lose this flame, how to feed this flame, I want you to come to a special session I'm having tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to learn how to feed this fire. And like, what secret, I couldn't wait. What secret antidote have you not told us about that's going to keep this fire lit? What what is it? What is it? Number one, you need to get into God's word. Think that's it. No, 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 no. Seriously, listen to me. You need to get into God's word and I remember him saying you need to stop reading God's word and you need to start studying God's word and he also talked about some other things talked about prayer and other things like that but it caught my attention and so like I I don't want to go back and I don't want to be the same I want to be different I want to be transformed and so I went home and I took what they taught me just simple things and I, learned, I began to study God's word. And I'm like, that's crazy. I learned about that in Sunday school class. That really did happen. It's really in the Bible. Jesus really did say that. Just reading the story. Oh my goodness, I didn't, wow, that is crazy. And God began to speak to me. And I'm telling you that the, the real change that happened in my life happened between my junior and senior year when I started to daily pick up God's word. And, and so if you're here today and you're just, ah, ah, tired of the fire going out, I am I'm just I would just ask you, are you into God's word? Henrietta Mears, and I, I got to read this quote in my research, she said this. One of the greatest tragedies today is that although the Bible is an available open book, It is a closed book to millions, either because they leave it unread or because they read it without applying its teaching to themselves. No greater tragedy can befall a person or a nation than that of paying lip service to a Bible left unread or to a life not followed. The Bible, the greatest document available for the human race, it needs to be opened, read, and believed. And Thrive Church and those who are watching online, I, I'm telling you, open it up. If you're if you're watching me online, it's like I doubt it, I doubt it. I, I get that. I get doubt. I, 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 I get your skepticism. And I would challenge you. Prove me wrong. Read the gospels. That's all you have to do. Just read the story of Jesus. Read it with an open mind. Read it with an open heart and see what happens. And so I challenge you, let's be transformed by the word of God. If it is, if it was written by God like we proclaim it is, let it transform you in Jesus' name. As we close out this service this morning, we're going to do a couple things. I always want to give opportunity for those who have never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And maybe throughout this service you have been watching or you're here today and you have just felt this tug on your heart. Well, Jesus tells us in Revelations, it says that he's knocking at the door of your heart. Maybe you have heard that knock or felt that knock. That's Jesus. And he wants to come in and live with you. Will you let that happen today? He will not barge his way through. You have to open up your heart for that to happen. You can invite Jesus into your heart just like this. Just ask him. So can we all just bow our heads? And I want want to give people, wherever you're at in your faith, I want to give you the the opportunity to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. Just say, God, I need you. Just like that. God, I need you. I'm inviting your spirit to come and live inside of me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I ask that you would change me from the inside out because I cannot change myself. As the pastor was just talking about, transform me, God. I I want it to be well with my soul. So today I'm choosing today to follow you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the Bible says that when somebody prays that prayer, all of heaven rejoices. Can can we just join with heaven and rejoice? (laughs) Rejoice. Rejoice. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for his word. I love God's word. I'm, I'm a little passionate about God's word because it has changed me and it will change you. But you gotta, I tell people, you have to put yourself into position for that to happen. And the way that you put yourself into position, everybody ready? I'm gonna show you how to put yourself in position. Just everybody ready. Here we go. Shoot. Shoot. And just kind of hang out there for a little bit. Put yourself in position.